Well, hey there. Welcome to episode 161 of Amen, Brother Ben. That's me, pastor, your host, your friend. Uh, we are here to make you closer to God, to make you act more like Jesus. We hope that does that for you. And this week, we want to make sure that we get the right truth so we're going to be correcting some errors of the prosperity gospel movement and where in their doctrine they get it wrong so we can get it right. You want to know the truth because the truth will set you free. Some guy named Jesus said that, so we should probably listen to it. Um, if you don't know what, well, let me let me make sure I define a few things for you because you may be a casual, casual listener who is unfamiliar with some of the things we're talking about. Uh, doctrine is just a fancy word for meaning a set of beliefs, right? A, a established foundation of what is true and what is not that uh, supports uh, someone to go out and make decisions and interpret things from there. Uh, and so doctrine gets brought up a lot when we're talking about scripture, we're talking about the things of God. And then there's also this thing called the prosperity gospel, which sounds great. Who doesn't want to prosper? But this is something I took to task and dealt with in my last sermon, which uh, the link is in the description below. Depending on when in the week uh, you're listening, you might just watch the live stream on YouTube or Facebook, or we put up the edited uh, just the sermon version later on. But uh, I began to talk in this series that we're in called uh, Fake News versus Good News. We're trying to differentiate between uh, the bull hockey and the real stuff. Right? Because I can't stand it when my Jesus is misrepresented and that my God is is blasphemed. Like, uh, it's not just about arguing facts and figures. It's about the, the reputation uh, of my God and the salvation of people that I love. So it's a, it's a big deal to get these things right. And so we're going to be talking through some doctrinal issues. I, I went over some lies in the sermon, some teachings that, that they teach that I'm like, uh, that's not right. But it all comes from misinterpreting the scriptures, whether they do it on accident or whether they purpose, purposefully twist those words to meet their own agenda. I have opinions on which one of those is true, but I'm not going to make that judgment. Right. I, it, uh, in the best way, if I want to spin it positively, they're just ignorant and we're taught wrong. Uh, but in the worst way, you know, in a, it's a sinister kind of perversion, kind of poking and prodding and twisting of God's truth in a heretical way to make their their goals uh, accomplished. And so there are all sorts of these big time fat cat preachers. And I don't want to go too much into their physical appearance, but you know them, you know the type. And if you have any type of discernment, your gut gets a little queasy because they're, um, you know, they got the big private jets and their books are on every bookshelf and lots of people lap this stuff up. Even when there is no biblical base or very little biblical or logical base to their teachings. And it's because they are tickling your ears. The Bible tells us that we are probably in this time where, or it says the time is coming. In fact, it's probably here now where people will flock to teachers that tell them what they want to hear. They sort of lick their finger, put it in the wind and go, all right, what do people want to hear? It's called a, a, a populist. Um, and, and they go and they tell you what you want to hear so that they can gain a following so they can 
you know, gain your support financially or otherwise. And so these type of preachers, which I took to task on Sunday, they take good, truthful things and they misinterpret them. And so here's here's one of the misinterpretations, for instance. This one is from a guy named Kenneth Copeland, probably my least favorite of the bunch. Uh, he kind of fits all sorts of categories, heretic, charlatan, false prophets, ear tickler, like he, he, he checks all the boxes, but he has some thoughts on, he was confronted by, uh, I think it was entertainment tonight. One of these gossip magazines about why he's so rich, why he's got like all these private jets and in this big estate. And she, she corners him kind of, and he's, he's looking out his car window there looking all crazy. Got the got the crazy eyes, just unnerving. But even more unnerving than his uh, physical appearance is how he warps scripture to justify being greedy and 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 so obsessed with wealth. Listen to this: If you belong to Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to his. And his promise was great wealth. Glory to God. Now, that sounds biblical, kind of. It sounds like that makes sense. And if you want money, if you have spent your whole life chasing after the almighty dollar, it's great for you and encouraging for you to hear that God wants you to be rich. But that is simply not True, that is a misinterpretation of the Abrahamic covenant. God made a series of covenants in the Old Testament. Right, the Mosaic Covenant, Abrahamic Covenant, the Davidic Covenant, uh, were these promises with with his people. And they all led, uh, just to save you some time, they all led to Jesus. And, and the Abrahamic Covenant was made back in Genesis. I believe it was Genesis 3, if I remember off the top of my head. And uh, he, went, he came to Abraham and said, I'm going to make you a father of a great nation. Your descendants are going to be just so much. It's going to be like stars in the sky, like sand on a beach. And, and I'm going to, in your, in your great family, I'm going to plant a seed of salvation for the whole world. And so that seed of Abraham ended up being Jesus. And so Jesus fulfilled a lot of these Old Testament covenants, which is why Christians a lot of times don't live under the same rules and regulations as historically Jewish people did. So the Mosaic Law, where we established all these rules about eating and, and ceremonial stuff and temple stuff, we, we don't do that anymore because Jesus was the fulfillment of that. And while God made some promises uh, that were contingent on Israel's belief and, and obedience, Jesus, being the seed of Abraham, fulfilled that covenant as well. And what he did is he opened the door to the family of God, to the people of God. And so it's not just people born into the nation of Israel. It's anybody who puts their trust and their hope and their belief in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so when you do that and you ask for his forgiveness and he saves you and he brings you from death to life, now you are heirs to God's kingdom. And here's where Kenneth Copeland gets this wrong, though. He thinks that that means that you're going to be living in the lap of luxury right now. But that is a very different truth to what Jesus says, because oftentimes Jesus would say, give up your wealth, right? The guy was like, how do I follow you, Jesus? And, and to the rich young ruler, he said, give away your stuff. It's getting in the way. 
Jesus himself didn't, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't broke. God provided for him, but he wasn't after uh, monetary gain. He wasn't after power in this world that so many of us seek. He was after what he said, uh, I believe in, in John 18 as uh, yeah, John 18 verse 36, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. So your, his blessings and his benefits and the inheritance that the people of God have are not of this world. They're not physical riches. They're not power in this lifetime. There are things that we will be blessed with in a kingdom to come. On that day where he wipes every tear and he, he dots every I, crosses every T, he writes every wrong, and he comes back for, and, and, and makes the world as it should be again. That's when our benefits come in. Not until then. Until then, we look forward to that, sacrificing, taking up our cross and following him and uh, making sure that, like Paul says, that our treasure is hidden in Christ himself. <laughs>